Hey, welcome to the Team Babe podcast. I'm Jason, and I'm Babe. And I'm Robin, and I'm Babe. How's it going, Babe? Hey, Babe. Hey, baby. Hey. Baby cakes? Mm. What do you what? <laughs> No? <laughs> baby girl? Oh. <laughs> no. Murder. Please don't. Oof. Please don't call me that. <laughs> you know what happens uh, to me. You know how many people are going to are going to tweet you online? Oh, sure. Tweet. One. And <laughs> tweet me online. Ooh, tweet me online. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Baby girl. Um, oh. <laughs> That's twice now. <laughs> Man. Start the antagonism. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know I hate that. You know I hate that patronizing bullshit. <laughs> I am aware of that. That's why you do it. <laughs> I I mean I did it this time but like without even thinking about it. Oh, was it just sort of like a nervous? So it's like the second time. A nervous habit. Yeah, because I said, "Are we sponsoring?" Um, I mean, are we being sponsored by? We're sponsoring Lacroix <laughs> Mango <laughs> Natural L- Essence. Lacroix. Oh, is that how it goes? Well, that's how I said. Okay, well, I'm not French, so I L- say Lacroix. Oh. Anyway, thanks, LaCroix, for this not-free can of bubbly water. <laughs> yeah, man. That was tasty, though. Mm-mm. I'll try not to uh, drink on the mic that much, though. Yeah, think of all the people that have misophonia. How rude. So what are we talking about? <laughs> I mean... Oh, yeah. Uh, things that enrage you. Antagonism. LaCroix. All that stuff is important, but uh, where do we last leave off... In this uh, in this saga, what was happening? Well, we were talking about you know the Ponzi scam and whatnot. Oh, that and old thing, <laughs> that old chestnut. Mm. And I think we kind of wrapped up part one, uh, and we were kind of getting to the part where we were starting to freak out. Oh, this is part two where we freak out. Yeah, and then we, we were starting to freak out, and we fully freaked out. Yeah, well. Not yet, but we're going to, I guess. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah, mid, halfway, halfway down the road here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, this is uh, the Ponzi scheme part two. What happened? Why were we freaking out? Well, because we realized that we, um, you know, we bought two houses that we now were on the hook for paying the payments on. Be, you know, because uh, our wealth management, you know, company that we'd signed up with um, reneged on their deal. Yep. That's right. But they actually never put that in writing. So, So yeah, it, it was always. We were just suckers. Yeah, they suckered <laughs> us. Um, yeah, and conveniently, like, what, two months or something after we closed these these deals, like, they all of a sudden couldn't pay anymore. Yeah. There was some kind of a cash flow problem. Yeah. Which uh, tends to happen with Ponzi schemes eventually, you know, (laughs) you have to have, you have to have like continuous flow of like new, new uh, money coming in from new signups. Yeah. Yeah. For the whole thing to work. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. So uh, I think we talked about being on those calls, you know, with uh, Lee Loomis and other people that worked for him and these updates about whatever was happening with the this whole real estate investing, you know, strategy and how, oh, you know, we just need our, you know, 
whatever they called us. I, I can't remember. I want to say patrons, but that's not the right word. Uh, to make their payments on their properties, you know, for one month. And the next month, when we get some more cash, you know, we're going to step in and make these payments for you and we're going to get these properties rented and yada, yada, right? So that was the point where, you know, I realized through you basically just laying it on the line, that was, you know, we, we're on the hook and the payment's coming due in 10 days or whatever. And now we owe you know, whatever it was, 1500 on this property and 1800 on this property just per month. Right. And so, right. um, I was like, well, we can pay one month's worth of payments, mm-hmm. you know, and this was really in the hope that, you know, this Loomis person was going to do what they said they were going to do, like come up with cash the next month, 30 right. days later. Yeah. So, you know, it was like this whole thing where I was like, okay, we'll get, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for one month. But that was only because we only had one month's worth of money. Right. Yeah. So we really that was didn't. the extent <laughs> of our runway. There was one month of actually making these payments, which kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. How was this supposed to work? Oh yeah. This was the don't you have, Aren't you supposed to have the money to pay for these things? Right. No. It's so fucking stupid. I know. It is stupid. Um, so what year was it when the color when I <laughs> laid that out for you and the color drained from your face? <laughs> <laughs> I believe that was two thousand eight, end of two thousand eight. Getting close to two thousand nine. Yeah. So again, I'm not really paying attention to what's going on in the news, and I'm really not seeing the warning signs of this whole crash that's yeah. starting to like unfold. And I think it had been unfolding in other places, you know, but uh, where we live, it's like, uh, it's like the last for that stuff to hit and it's the worst. It lasts the longest. Once it does hit, (laughs) it lasts the longest and it's the hardest to recover from. Right. Like we're slow to respond on both ends of like national crises or whatever, you know? Yeah. So um, once I, I kind of got, I started to pay attention. Pretty much as soon as, as soon as I, you know, had an empty our savings account, pay these two payments, um, I really started to pay attention to what was going on around me a little more. Mm. And then it was like, we had maybe one or two more of these calls. And then basically it just became really evident that like they had no money. Mm-hmm. If they did, they weren't going to be using it to pay for these properties. And that's when basically like being on the phone all the time started for Mm, me. (laughs) Right. Because? (laughs) Well, because, one, I was trying to get a hold of people that worked for this Loomis place and to get some kind of answers or some something like, what should I do? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a client. Yeah. You know, what am I supposed to do in this situation? And to, like, be honest with them and just say, like, I don't have another month's worth of money, so mm-hmm. what should I do? And basically, no matter who I talked to, they just gave me this total runaround. Yeah. And there was a lot of, like, oh, well, you know, we'll take a message and call you back and all that good stuff. I kind of remember you telling me about some of that, <laughs> some of those calls and stuff like that, trying to get through and talk to people. Yeah. I kind of forgot about you trying to get info out of them. Yeah. Or whatever. And then, so I do remember at one point, you kind of laid it all out for me. And what did I say? 
What do you remember? uh, I just remember it happening. I don't necessarily know what you said, but it seems almost like the reverse of the conversation you you said I had where um, I laid it all out that we're responsible for this. Oh, right. And then, like, I don't know what I thought was going to happen or whatever. I'm sure I was stressed out, too. But I was sort of, like, off in my own little world of probably denial and riding bicycles or... (laughs) You know, just whatever, like, and at one point you told me, like, this is serious. Like, we're going to, we're going to stop paying these things and it's going to be like. Bad. It's going to be really bad. Yeah, that's true. I think once, I think. Maybe it was after the first payment was missed and we started getting calls. I think it was actually like when I, I did talk to a couple of people, you know, briefly at Loomis about this and based on those phone calls, I really quickly understood that one, they didn't give a shit about whatever was going on with us. And two, that this whole thing really had just been some kind of a scam. Right. I was, you know, finally starting to wake up to that. Fact. Maybe it was that maybe, maybe you realized that and you told me that. Yeah. And then probably. I, and then I remember just feeling like, Oh, just gutted, like so sick and, uh, freaked out. Yeah. You know, like that, like kicked in the balls feeling yeah. or whatever. Like, oh, uh, like it all, <laughs> reality all came crashing down. And I was like, I kind of realized the right. gravity. The magnitude of the whole thing. I think also what happened for me was I started to, you know, being my logical self where I sort of take things and sort of go, well, this is the next logical thing that's going to happen. I think for you, you might have still been holding out some kind of hope that there, that there was a possibility that this might still work or that it might not be as bad as yeah. it could be. Right. And I very like, I think quicker than you did just let go of that and just said, you know, Look, we're screwed. This like, is over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't make these payments. We're now we're going to be, you know, having a hard time making our own payment. Right. Um, we're going to get, you know, bad credit ratings as soon as we don't make the first payment on these places. So, you know, I think that having it be tied to our own situation, like this is going to reflect poorly on us personally. Yeah. Uh, I think was kind of what sent you over the edge. Mm. And um, yeah, so <laughs> we kind of like looked at each other like, okay, well, let's not, let's do everything we can to not lose the house that we actually live in. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Like, let's start working on that. Like, you know, let's not have that happen too, because that's going to be too, (laughs) too horrible to actually endure based on all of this, you know, emotional and physical and monetary. Yeah. Everything sunk, sunk into the place. We sunk everything into equity from our first house, all all the repairs, all the hopes and dreams. Yeah. Like this is the this is the horse property. Uh-huh. This is We're gonna the, live here for ten, twenty years. We got the chickens. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, this is this is it, man. This is the only house our younger child has ever known. Right. Right. So the the idea of losing it or having to move or give up on that dream was very, very upsetting and very depressing. Yeah, it was a no. no it was go. just like no, we can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So. So from that point forward, um, so you're still working full time. I'm still just basically like at home, you know, taking care of the kids, 
homeschooling. I'm not, I'm still not working at this point. Yeah. Um, so as soon as all of this sort of started to come together, I started to panic, like, you know, and I started to really sort of get my, you know, sort of cutthroat brain back in gear. (laughs) (laughs) Your your pirate brain. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Whereas like, you know, all right, like cut the shit. Let's get to work. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like all a, business it's now. Like boot camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mommy's not nursing anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's boot camp time. It's, there is no Bam. more. There is no more mommy. Only there's yeah. only Zool. <laughs> yeah, man, Zool. Yep. Thank God for Zool. Anyway, uh, yeah, I had to change gears like really, really, really hardcore. And so I just, my first thing after all this happened was like, all right, I want to go talk to, you know, our bank and see what we can do about our mortgage. Can we, you know, lower the payment? Can we extend the mortgage? What can we do here? I want to make sure like that our house is going to be okay so we can ride this all out. And, you know, not have to throw in the towel on all this stuff because I'm, I'm starting to pay attention to the housing crisis and people foreclosing and people losing their jobs and, you know, just all of this stuff sort of starting to come down the pipe, at least on the news. Yeah. I think at this point, your job maybe had not yet been affected. Yeah. Um, but we knew it could be a possibility. Sure. And um, I don't think we knew how bad it could no. be here. No, we didn't. We didn't really have any idea, obviously, because we just were living in just uh, another planet, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So um, this was also the time that I got back to work as far as trying to have a little income coming in. Mm. And how did you start doing that? So, you know, I had sold on eBay previously, like, and um, I opened an Etsy shop to continue selling, like, vintage uh, clothing. Yep. Uh, doing a resale thing on Etsy. And then, so that was 2008. And, you know, with two fairly small kids, that was really challenging. Yeah. <laughs> and you weren't making anything yet. No. You were just, uh, I was just reselling vintage. Yeah. And that went, that went okay. It was like, okay, I can still do this. You know, I, I, I see that like, I've still got an eye for things that people want to buy, but the, you know, just the time, and the logistics of trying to take pictures of things with two kids versus one. Yeah. All this, all this other stuff happening, like my, um, just mental, like energy being spread all over the place. It was very challenging like to keep it all straight. Oh yeah, totally. Um, but I also, you know, just thought, well, maybe I also need to kind of expand on this and do something different, you know, and really kind of think about how can I really truly, make something out of nothing because I have nothing. Like I have no money now. I've got no startup cash. I don't have an inventory of vintage stuff. I've kind of sold off everything that I had before. Right. What on earth can I do to like make money? Was that all that first year? You think yeah. you, came, you came to that? Okay. Yeah. So you were seeing like limitations in eBay and then there was this mm-hmm. new, newer ish. Yeah. The place Etsy. where you could, platform yeah yeah it was um you know recommended to me by other people and people said oh yeah you know i've I've had some success on there it's it's better than ebay it's better than this and that so right i decided yeah all right so i just 
was like, well, I have this sewing machine. I have, you know, some old fabric. I've got um, just this and that laying around the house. All right, what can I make? <laughs> what can I make and start selling? It's basically made out of garbage. <laughs> you know, and yeah. make it look really exciting. <laughs> so that's sort of how my uh, Dark Pony Designs business was born. Uh, it was really born out of fear and panic. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Fear and panic and yeah. Yeah. So I got, I think the first month I sold $20 worth of stuff. And at the time that was actually sort of a relief. It was like, Oh my God. Okay. There is another way to to bring in cash. (laughs) Right. And I didn't have to spend anything to get that $20. So, um, that's $20 I'm going to put in my gas tank. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, it was really kind of, like really bare bones going back to zero. And I had really never been a hustler per se before that. Like I'd always Mm -hmm. been somebody that liked buying and selling stuff, but I I never did it because I absolutely had to. I always had a day job, you know what I mean? So this was different. Like, yeah. So that also started occurring around the time when I started, you know, this process of like talking to the banks. Right. And trying to renegotiate these loans and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of getting back into this business mode. Both the properties that we had and the and and our, our, own. our own house. Yeah. So we're talking about three separate banks. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think the first thing that you and I, we went to, I can't remember what bank it was, whatever Chase used to be. Yeah. And Wachovia or something. Like countrywide or I don't know, no, whatever. I don't even know. So we go down there and, you know, we, sh- we take our mortgage statement down and we say like, um, you know, we just refinanced where we have this higher payment, you know, but we've got this sort of like reverse thing mm-hmm. where we can just pay the minimum and not pay the interest and right. all this stuff. What can we do about that? Because we want to make sure, you know, we can continue making our payments. We know we're going to be like having less money, you know, yeah. um, can you help us out? What do you suggest? You know, and they were just kind of like. Well, we would just suggest that, you know... You make your payment. You make your payment in full. <laughs> right. There's like no <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and uh, I remember saying like, well, you, you understand I'm saying that I can't... I'm not going to be able to make my payment in full. Right. Um, I, you know, did this refinance based on other information where I was going to be receiving more money. Right. Yeah. So I'm not going to be doing that now. So I was like, can we redo this loan? Make it a 50-year mortgage? instead of 30 yeah. i was like just i need to reduce it by like 500 dollars a month or something yeah and they're like no no way <laughs> i was like wow okay of course not probably too because you know at this point like so home values are just like plummeting yeah in reading for sure everywhere Actively. everywhere right but it had gotten to reading yeah. yeah yeah so everybody who had bought homes within the last probably four nah, three or four years was like totally shitting bricks. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we, but I have to say, we really kept this to ourselves. Yeah. Oh yeah. This was, this was not, we didn't want to talk about this at all. No. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, yeah. I guess when I say that, like, I, I don't know cause nobody, nobody else was really talking about that. Yeah. But I'm sure lots of people, well, I guess why I said that is cause I'm sure lots of people were having those similar things going on in those conversations going to and just like nobody's talking about it although you remember our neighbors that lived right next to us foreclosed oh yeah that's right 
not too long after that. So I started to realize, okay, the writing's on the wall here. Like, you know, if your neighbor's foreclosing, it's not just you. Like, yeah. you know, this is really happening to everybody. Yeah. So um, I, from there, I was just kind of like, okay, well, you know, maybe the person at the local branch doesn't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call the corporate people and talk to their mortgage department. And, you know, I so I finally I get on the phone with them after being on hold for like an hour. I mean, everybody's calling the bank. Right. And so I said, same thing. What can you, what can we do here? I, I'm anticipating this problem. I don't want to miss a payment. I want to keep my mortgage in good standing. And they're like, well, we can't really do anything for you unless you miss three payments. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what are you going to do for me after I miss three payments? They're like, well, then you'll go into foreclosure. I was like, I don't want to go into foreclosure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that, see? Uh-huh. I'm like, well, we can't renegotiate your loan. We can't do anything for you unless you miss three payments. I was like, are you going to start reporting negatively on my credit after three payments? They're like, yeah. No, after the first one. Or after the first one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, so you want me to stop paying because then you're going to help me. Yeah. They're like, yeah, that's correct. And you can't help me <laughs> until I stop paying. Um, but you're going to punish me by reporting negatively on my credit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I was like, boy, oh, boy. So I remember relaying all this to you. And mm-hmm. this is the same conversation I had with the banks for these other properties also. Everybody had the same story. Yeah. Don't pay your payment. Call back in 90 days. We don't want to talk to you. We're not going to offer you anything until you're in foreclosure active foreclosure mode i was like wow so i'm gonna get negatively reported on for three loans at the same time yeah i was like wow that sounds great yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it's gonna be great yeah so i think about this time when we finally got to this point was when you realized that what was happening for you at the motorcycle shop was like as far as your income goes was gonna have to be cut yeah yep right Right. and so yeah because it was getting really bad there like the business you know at that point existed a lot based on like how the housing market was doing well i guess lots of stuff does yeah but But in writing it was especially tied to that because a lot of people you know who were into motorcycles and stuff like were uh builders contractors and stuff and so those people are not getting as much work so they're not buying motorcycles they're not buying atvs you know it's like and people are also not going and buying toys um with their equity that they're pulling out of their house right yeah everybody's going into lockdown yeah total lockdown mode we gotta you know batten down the hatches we're gonna try (laughs) to ride this thing out right and so for you for you and i uh, this dream house was really based on the idea that you were going to continue receiving commission based on these sales, you know, and that was a big part of our, of our yearly income. And so of course, you know, what goes first in this kind of situation is commission because you're not making those sales. Totally. So it was like half your income kind of went out the window. Right. Yeah. So, you know, reducing your yearly in half and then trying to pay payments that were almost twice as much as what we signed up for. Uh, yeah, there was no way. Yeah. It just wasn't humanly possible. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm sure there are tons of stories like that, but it's like the perfect storm. It is. Like, because yeah. it's bad enough when it's just your house. Right. And your your job. Right. You know, like whatever, you have to take a pay cut. 
you, right. or you take a hit because commission's just not happening anymore. But it's like you add more properties and more money on top of that. And right. I'm sure there there were people who had Oh yeah, for sure. Way more than that and just for told sure. like, oh man. But I don't know. Like how much worse can it get? <laughs> <laughs> I think like the whole uh the whole problem and you know, something I learned like definitely definitely learned through this process is like man like f- trying to swim against that stream and fight it like and not accepting it and just like trying to move with it mm-hmm. is like you're gonna you're gonna kill yourself yeah yeah and i mean like that was the other thing for me it was like i think that was the other writing on the wall i think i said to you like you know unless the two of us go out and get three jobs you know we're not going to be able to keep this going and we were both already so stressed out about what was already happening. I knew that like doing that might have paid the mortgage, but we might have totally died in the process, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like, I felt like you were going to have a heart attack anyway, you know, <laughs> as it was. So, I mean, yes, the other thing that could have made it worse was some kind of health thing, you know, and I know there was people during this time that had all of this going on and they had cancer. Or, you know, and they had a sick kid. I mean, I I just, I don't even know how people survived that. At least for us, we were young enough to where we weren't really having major health issues at the time, you know, but we certainly had <laughs> difficult kids and, you know, we had really set ourselves up to be completely stressed out in so many ways. So, yeah, um, you're trying to homeschool through the whole thing. Oh, yeah, I, I did. You are. Um, We're I homeschooling. Did, I did. <laughs> Not just trying. Uh, I did. It was bad, though. I mean, like, it was like, you know, Charlie at this point, our younger child, uh, was old enough to not nap, right? And Morgan was certainly too old to nap. So during the day, I mean, there was no breaks. It was just be on with them and just me all the time. You're at work. I'm, you know, and then I'm trying to find this time where I'm going to, work on this mortgage problem, you know, and I'm going to make stuff for this Etsy shop and I'm going to try to start hustling up money here and there. And so I really, in addition to just like keeping the dogs alive, and whatever else, you know? Yeah. Diabetic dog. <laughs> I really think we got to say this, this dog story for like another episode because it's too much. Yeah. I mean, so anyway, yeah. uh, we can't get into that. That's like, I uh, probably got like five, six oh, hours there. Dude. Just talking dog. Let's just make a new podcast just about pets, those dogs. Animals, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, like uh, I think I started talking to a couple of real estate agents. Um, oh, that's right. <laughs> because you, we were, we knew we were going to need to list these places for sale these two like investment this, properties yeah as soon as possible asap like, and get oh, yeah. them get them sold so as i talked to these banks you know they're they're first of all like you got to get into foreclosure okay so i think the three months passed we're in foreclosure not in foreclosure but you got to be three months late in default yeah i think is the proper term mm-hmm. okay or something like that. so we do that right and we're still paying i think our home loan at this yep. point and you know, we get to that point and I say, all right, so now what am I supposed to do? Well, you could short sale your house for this amount. You know, the bank determines the cost. You've got to get a real estate agent. You've got to get listed. You have this much time, you know, to do this and that. It's like, oh my God, like 
how am I going to find a real estate agent in like desert hot springs when I'm in Reading? Yeah. I, I was just like, <laughs> okay, so I'm just start Googling desert hot springs, real estate agents. Like mm. I'm just like, whoever, whoever pops up first, I'm just going to call them. Yeah. So the person that I ended up talking to, I can't remember her name, but like she was a great real estate agent because, you know, she managed to actually um, make it so that I felt responsible for her making these the sale on this house. Mm-hmm. Like when I start to go, you know what, let's just, uh, you know, let it foreclose. You know, she's like, hey, you know, what about all the time I've spent? Yeah. Trying to short sale this house for you. You're just going to give up now. And I mean, like, I remember, like, ha- I talked to this lady on the phone. Yeah, you guys like, could have been, like, best friends. Oh, God. Like, I, I forgot about that, too. Oh, but, I, like, during this whole time, the phone, the phone's ringing. Oh, We, we had constantly. to, like, stop <laughs> answering the phone. They would call me at work. Oh, yeah. And then I'd be like, uh, you know. Right. They'd be like, when are you going to make your payment? Yeah. When's your payment coming? Are you going to make a payment this month? Right. <laughs> I started just going like, aren't you the person that told me not to make a payment? Mm-hmm. So I'm not making my payments. Yeah. You want to write that down? Like, I was just like, I'm done. I am done with this. Yeah. Like, I don't care <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, I just realized that it was like, it's all in the toilet. Like, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. I have totally screwed up here. Now, on top of it, I'm not going to also start feeling bad because the bank wants me to make a payment. Yeah. (laughs) See, like, you had that realization so much earlier and stuff. And, Uh, you know, it took me far longer to have it and to just be like, what the fuck are you going to do? Right. Right. You know, because, like, we had a realization at some point. Like, um, I mean, these are, like, we, quote, unquote, bought these, all these places. Right. Um. But and the bank gave us the money to do it, right? And if we stop paying, they can't like come cut our throats or something. <laughs> they can't like drag us into a van, yeah, you know, and like yeah. abduct us and then pu- like punish us or something. Like no. all they can do is take these properties back. They they hold the title. But then I realized about halfway through this process, after you know talking to this this real estate agent, you know, about eight hours every week for like i don't know how many months i all of a sudden realized that all of these banks had insurance on all these mortgages and the reason that they were making it so difficult to short sale them like they wanted this i mean an amount that i feel like was higher than what anybody was going to pay is because they actually wanted everything to foreclose so they could get their insurance money Mm, yeah and as soon as i came to that realization i was like i'm not doing any more work uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because I had been like, this required so much faxing. Like, I don't oh, know yeah. if you recall that, but it was like, you're having to fax your, you know, like bank statements and all this stuff to these mortgage companies, like on a, I don't know, every two or three week basis. Yeah. To somehow prove that you couldn't make your payment or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just like, and then you get these offers from people. That wanted to like put a short sale offer in on these places and you'd have to like either accept the offer or not sign like 50 pages of stuff, send it back. And then sometimes those people would just bounce, you know, and so it was just like back and forth. And so that whole thing between the constant phone calls from these three mortgage companies 
And talking to these real estate agents, I mean, it just became like a full-time job to the point where I was like, wow. Okay. So then (laughs) I think about, I want to say six months into this, you basically got a second pay cut from, you know, what you had been making. So it was like first cut in half and then cut in half again. Mm -hmm. So now you're down to a quarter yearly of what you had been bringing in. So as soon as that happened, and I mean, that's no fault of your family. They were just trying to survive the situation and keep their business afloat. It had to be done. Yes, absolutely had to be done. So I don't hold any, you know, hard feelings about that. It's just the situation. Yeah. But, you know, in our situation, we realized, okay, so now we can't make our own home payments. Right. (laughs) Now we're going to start getting calls on that one, too. Yep. And yep. we'll start going through this process on that one, too. Yes. Ex- and it's not just that one. It's this one that we're in right now. Uh, At yeah. some point, though, we realized that, uh, you know, f- farther down the road, after we stopped making payments, after we took all the calls, you know, after we went 90 days, blah, 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 you know, put it in short sale. Like, they can't actually, there was this thing where they couldn't actually, like, kick you out if out of your own place, your own Mm-hmm. Like place where you were living, mm-hmm. <laughs> because so many people were going through that and just like leaving, walking away, or whatever. That like people were homeless, right? And they also uh, the other thing was like once we stopped making the payments on our own house, number one, the other houses and these faraway places, we didn't live there, so you know we didn't see any of this stuff happening. As soon as we had to put our own house on the market in a short sale. Mm-hmm. We started having all these visits from the real estate agent. And then we started having visits from all the people that wanted to look at the house. And then we had like appraisers come out. I mean, so that all became very real. And we were still trying to hide this from the kids at the time. Mm -hmm. And we were definitely still trying to hide it from our family. Right. That made it so much harder, you know, to swallow Mm -hmm. like that whole thing. Um. And so I remember thinking like, well, I know that as long as we have this house on the market and we do everything that they ask and we fax our papers in and whatever it is, we can live here rent free, yeah, mortgage free for as long as it takes to sell the property. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, that sounds good. Yeah. Let's not even worry about it. And thank goodness we got, I think in total, about 18 months worth of free living. Right. Rent free. That's like the only way we could. <laughs> that was the only way we could live. Because during that 18 months, like, <laughs> or whatever it was, like, you actually, like, grew your Etsy business. Right. To the point where you were making income that was, like, significant it, We needed the family. It. Yeah, we were income. using it. Like, that's what probably allowed us to be able to, like, rent right. a place after, right. you know, after all this was done. Yeah. <laughs> Do yeah. we do so? It, like it's it always blows me away, like how few years this actually is, or whatever. You know, like two thousand six, we buy the house to midway, right, or whatever, like September, well, October, it was October, yeah, two thousand six. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're maybe into two thousand late two thousand eight, two thousand nine, while all this BS has been going on, like, and then by the time we. We're done. Leave. Mm-hmm. What are we talking? 2010. 
2010 or 11? It was like, mm, I want to say it was 2010. Mm, yeah. Okay. It was like the summer of 2010. Mm. So like. So we're talking four, four years. Another four years. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> so much stuff happened. So much stuff yeah. there. Yeah. So like, uh, like thinking back through it, it's like, it seems impossible when you like go through the vivid memories, like how could this all have happened within four years? I know. And I mean, I think that just the world in general changed so much in that four years that everybody felt really like swept away and just kind of like along for the ride. Like, okay, what's next? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, It was a really, that whole period from like, you know, basically 2009 and 2010 were just really, really hard and just felt like. Um, it was just dark, you know, it was just kind of like a dark time. And then on top of that, you know, we did have some things that we still ended up having to pay for with that house. Like we had to replace the roof during that time while it was in short sale. Yeah. That's what I was. Yeah. That's what like, I was trying to remember. It just like, started when leaking. did we do the roof thing? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but like. I don't know. What? No, that must've been like before. No. No. No, it was during this. We knew we were going to lose the house. And then the winter that that all happened, there was just like buckets of water pouring into the house. And I was like, okay, so if we're going to stay here and try to ride this short sale out, we can't live like this. We're not, you know, we can't have like 18 buckets like everywhere in our house and live here. You know, it was like. But that's crazy. I know. I know. I mean, it's not crazy to do something to take care of it, but like you don't have to do like a roof off. Right. Like complete <laughs> like architectural comp shingle. Like what the fuck? I don't even know how. I, I can't even remember how that all came together. But it yeah. was it was basically we got. I remember thinking everything's replaced and everything's fixed. And now we're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Except for this. This oh. hole in the carpet where Charlie uh, oh, left yeah. his uh, sucker or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas morning, oh. 2007 or something. Right, right. No, there was definitely some irreparable damage in there. Oh, um, man. But, yeah. I mean, the big stuff was all Oh, there. yeah. 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 The, except for um, the well pump. Right. So, um, I think we had to tell the kids once there were people actually coming into the house. Yeah. It took a really long time to get anybody interested in that place. Yeah. Nobody, nobody like was buying. Yeah, it took a year. And so as soon as we actually started kind of getting a steady sort of like stream of people coming in, we had to tell them. Mm-hmm. They were really upset. Were they bummed out? Oh, they just like both completely like burst into tears. <laughs> wow. Oh, that sucks. That's awful. They're so, uh, I guess they just don't, they either don't care or they're just desensitized now. To having after having moved a few t- few more times, yeah, or whatever, because now like it. you know, they're just like yeah, whatever. I think it, you know, it was the initial shock of like because we had really set it up for them. We're gonna live here for so long, sure. And, you know, our all this all these things are here. You know, like permanent things. You know, like your swing sets here, and the chickens are here, and the gardens here, and this and that. You know, yeah. Um, and you know, it's like, they really loved having this huge place, you know, to be a huge house and a huge yard. So, uh, 
yeah, their initial reaction was like just complete despair, which is why I had waited so long you to knew. tell them because I, I just knew. And they were pretty young. They were only... Um, Eight. No, Morgan was 10. <clears throat> and Charlie was uh, four, almost five. Yeah. So uh, I... Once I told them, though, and we started talking about the fact that we were going to have to leave, they started getting, you know, eventually, like after a couple of weeks, they started getting excited about leaving. Because they're like, oh, we're going to go somewhere else? Like, and what's that going to be like? <laughs> you know, so I, I think Even though I, we have no idea where no. that would be. <laughs> yeah. But they're like seeing, they're seeing the, the potential in their yeah. minds. Well, yeah. It's like, oh, my life has been pretty good so far, so we'll probably go to like a cool place. <laughs> Right, right. You know, we kind of did. We did, yeah. For them. For them, they they and liked us it. Too. It was, yeah. But I mean, like, that was helpful for me because I think that in all of this, like, shame and guilt of this whole process, like, um, I was convinced that, like, I was going to ruin them in this process too. <laughs> and the fact that they were pretty resilient and just sort of bounced back. Yeah. Was, uh, was helpful. Re- reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, what was I gonna? Yeah, I, was, I just thought of something, I forgot it. So, um, I I think oh, I thought oh, of it. What? So, what, uh, like, what would have helped? What would have helped? Yeah, what would have helped to do, like, through this, through this process? I mean, you've mentioned, like, we didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. Really. Like, we really kept it to ourselves. We just talked about it with us. We kind of, like, became more private yeah a little bit about it so that was like the shame oh definitely oh because i think that we um through this process we kind of became the people we had always sort of um looked down on you know the people that don't pay their bills right the people that make shitty financial decisions it's like a big that and like the ruining your credit thing yeah we're like huge credit criminals (laughs) for <laughs> huge deterrence to like uh going down that road yeah. eventually you yeah know, or whatever like making that decision was really hard because like of those those values which are good like you should sure. you know you should like do what you say pay, pay your bills your bills do, sure. all, do all these things and stuff yeah. but then there there comes this point where like sometimes you actually can't right and then what do you do and then it's like you know so that like getting to that point where it's like oh we actually can't. Right. Like I'm bringing this home. Robin, you know, is bringing this home. Right. Like, but we don't know. We can't count on it. It's just up to like, if she, if she does good selling. Yeah. Retail you know, sales. Stuff, yep. Which is good. And you were, you were pretty consistent, you know. It wasn't reliable income though. And it wasn't a lot. Yeah. It didn't feel reliable. It felt like it could go away at any time or whatever. I remember, um, like the photo shoots <laughs> that we did during that time, like out against the black garage door oh, that we had yeah. uh, we painted painstakingly uh-huh. uh, rolled out. <laughs> yes, and made perfect. Those were those consisted of um, you begrudgingly getting the camera and be like, "Okay, I got like twenty things. Oh all right, <laughs> all right. Now I want you to stand out here, and I'm gonna like you know change my clothes as fast as possible and like." For each one of these, just take five photos. 
Okay, five photos. I don't care what they look like. Let's just get through it. <laughs> and then in the background, it's like the behind the scenes are like the dogs are circling. The kids yeah. are like interrupting like, every five oh, seconds. Oh, there's a tail like, in that shot. <laughs> oh, Charlie uh, is hungry or he fell down right. or something. Okay, take a break. I got to like, you know, bandage this child. Okay, somebody's having a crisis. Like, and I'm, I'm you know, trying to like do hair and makeup and we have no lights like it's just this <laughs> stupid little point and shoot camera i mean it was bad yeah and i'm being a total dick oh yeah I'm you were not, so mad about not that. into it like not being helpful like oh man i regret that oh wow that's so stupid i mean it took us hours though i mean that's yeah. why you hated it because it was like well i got 20 things and only need five photos of each one but it would take us like three hours yeah, that's a lot of photos <laughs> that's 100 photos i think yeah yeah. So, I mean, I was asking you to do something that you didn't really sign up to do, but I was just kind of like, hey, look, I don't have a yeah. tripod, so how about you hold this camera and take these pictures? <laughs> but, like, I should have <laughs> recognized that it was it was actually important and, yeah. you know, bringing in money for the family that we needed and right. stuff. And, like, so, <laughs> like, my, my discomfort or not wanting yeah. to do it or whatever in that situation. Well, you did it. I mean, you were just grumpy. Yeah, I was just grumpy. <laughs> grumpy <laughs> yeah but we got through it i mean honestly we did that for like three years more maybe more than four years uh, yeah of that business was just us just trying to hustle photos out as fast as possible so the fact that i even sold anything based on that is sort of amazing mm -hmm. so thanks sold a lot thanks to all those customers that bought something that really didn't look that great and probably wasn't made very well so <laughs> Robin was learning. We were learning so much. Oh, wow. Especially yeah. you during this time. I don't know. Yeah. I probably wasn't learning that much, but I think you just kind of had to go in the pain cave. Yeah. For I a was lot of writing this. a lot. Yeah. Writing my writing. mountain bike, not yeah. WR, but no. RI. You were actually, yeah, you were writing your bike a lot. You were doing a lot of like extreme dieting. You were you were kind of like having this control over one part of your life and then we did at a point where it was like you couldn't do that anymore yeah because couldn't afford it right so we started i mean i mean this just we started the liquidation sale i mean i think pretty early on into this where i was like gotta sell this car you yeah. know mm -hmm. and then you rode a little scooter <laughs> yeah <laughs> and actually took morgan to school on the scooter which thinking back on that, i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> um yeah. That was fun. I went back to having my old car. Um, things really started to, like, not look great. I had this amazing, like, wardrobe of vintage, the best of the best vintage stuff I had found during my eBay days, and I started liquidating that. I mean, everything just became about hustling up the next dollar, selling off the next thing, putting the next thing on Craigslist, you know, like everything was just this massive effort to just get enough money to buy groceries, put gas in the cart. So, I mean, that's, that's really what I mean about becoming humble and understanding what it's like to really, you know, need money to the point where you're like, I'm not eating lunch today because <laughs> I want to save that $5, you know, or whatever. And so, that all kind of came together pretty quick. I would say within six months, we were down to just selling stuff off to pay, to live, just to live. Yeah. So, um, you know, the other thing about all of this was like as we 
as we followed the the Ponzi scheme and as it unfolded and as we, you know, went through this process along with all the other people that were involved with the Loomis Wealth, you know, scam. Yeah. Um, things started to get like really strange and we we started to realize like how deep this whole thing went and how we were actually lucky that we weren't deeper into this because we're hearing stories. Yeah. Like uh, there was some sort of group of people that was all communicating. Right. I don't remember. It was just an email Email chain chain like thing, like people who had been members of this thing too, who'd gotten screwed over. Like we're all communicating, talking about, yeah. What's happening and stuff like that. And we started to hear some pretty crazy, pretty oh, crazy yeah. stories, man. Yeah. Like, um, there's, uh, like one of the guys that I remember, uh, talking with on the phone and like sending documents and stuff like that, who was part of this Loomis thing or whatever. Like he's the guy that's in charge of our account or whatever. And he's like getting us these houses and blah, blah, blah. And doing all this stuff like this dude, this dude at one point like i think um what happened like the would it have been the fbi yeah i don't even know uh, they like raided uh the loomis wealth headquarters they did they seized all their files so basically the computers the files like all the stuff like you've seen in a movie that's what i picture yes it's not like i was there no no it was like boiler room or something or like wall street it was like where you know, they they very obviously had been caught and like there was proof, right? Yeah. And I think that actually maybe, I'm not really sure how it went down, but I want to say that like some of the members of Loomis Wealth actually reported them and, and said like, hey, you know, like you they're need, not... You need to check this out. Yeah, you're, they're not doing what they said they're going to do yeah. and I'm not getting my money that they said that they were going to, you know, I I've, can't withdraw my money out of this account. Right. I can't get that hold was a big of anybody. Thing because yeah. a, a lot of people yeah. had put a bunch of money into this account and that account was locked down. Right, like the high yield thing. Yeah. So um, the, at that point... We I, lucked out by yeah. having not put any money in there. Yeah. Like by chance, by your intuition. Well, yeah. I just I had some red flags on that. <laughs> so I actually got a call um, from the FBI. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I was... Um, so, honey, I just got off the phone with the uh, Federal <laughs> Bureau of Investigation. So, uh, yeah, I'm at home. I'm at home one day. It's like a Tuesday or something. Like, I'm just getting out of the shower. The phone rings. I'm like, oh, I wonder who that is. I pick up the phone. They're like, oh, hey, this is so-and-so with the FBI, like, you know, Federal Trade Commission crime unit, something, something. I was like, uh, what? Yeah. (laughs) So my first thought, of course, my first thought is that somehow I'm in trouble. Uh Uh-huh. Or that... We've like, done something somewhere. Right. We're like, we're going to go to jail. Do I need to have him talk to my attorney? Should I talk to these guys? Which I don't have. <laughs> and so uh, he's like, We've, we, uh, we're we seizing all the documents from Loomis Wealth. And we, you know, we've, we've arrested, you know, the major players and the organization. And um, we found documents with your name on it. So <laughs> I'm just like. I'm just like ready to have like a complete panic attack. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And he's like, uh, you know, so were you involved with Loomis Wealth? And I said, yes. And then I started to explain the situation. Yeah. And he's like, you know, yeah, that's all fine. I just wanted to confirm that you were a victim 
of this Ponzi scheme. Oh. I was like, oh, Could okay. you maybe have led with that a little bit? Like, maybe it'll just a little sooner in yeah, the conversation? Yeah, 15 minutes into the conversation that oh he says God, that. You know, I'm so just, like, crazy. dying, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm, like, pleading my case, like, you know, in minute one. Yeah. Just like, ugh. And so then he's like, well, we want to, um, you know, keep in touch as far as like what your damages were. And, uh-huh. you know, as we go through this process, we mean, we might need some more information. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, like I'm going to give you the information that you want as long as it means that you're going to like arrest these people. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, it's like, um, I don't want to talk to the FBI. <laughs> like, this is crazy. This is crazy. All this other shit is going on. And, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to do a photo shoot or whatever. <laughs> oh, and I'm trying, <laughs> trying to, to fax trying to teach 8,000 uh, <laughs> documents every day. <laughs> talking to my best friend in Desert Hot Springs, oh, oh. the real estate lady. I think she bought a boat on that uh, commission, just FYI. Well, yeah, she earned. She earned whatever she got on that. Did she tell you that she bought a boat? No. Did she send you a postcard? Her, like, on the back or whatever? No? That would have been cool. No. There was something about that deal, though, where it was like, we somehow had to pay some fees or something. Oh, there's some, like, homeowners thing or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. But, yeah. So, the they raided the place. They took the thing. You got your FBI heart attack phone call. Um, You told me about it. I was, like, in disbelief. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know you, you gave me the good news so that right that they wanted to confirm we're victims yes, right yes, uh-huh. we are. We're yeah victims i don't know i guess we weren't totally seeing ourselves as that at this no. point no. um yeah and so uh and then like i hear we hear this story about this guy uh scott cavell on the whatever. news on, on the, the local news. local news yeah, they're talking about this dude um, who is the guy that I was talking to or whatever, sending my documents to, and he he did this crazy shit, man. He like he took all this cash and this gold and stuff <laughs> and like cocaine and all this stuff. Like, <laughs> like seriously, like it is like total Wolf of Wall Street like yeah. stuff or whatever. Yep. Like, got, uh, chartered a private uh, jet like from sacramento or something like that and like flew to canada so he's like on the run yeah he's he's like trying to skip the country right because he got wind that everything got seized and he wasn't there and so he was like oh i'm gonna pack all this stuff up and just you know hit the road and so i remember the thing that sticks out for me about that news report was they said he had gold bullion in his boots (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah. Because when he landed, they were waiting for him. Yep. And they arrested him. Mm-hmm. And they seized all of his money and all of his gold. <laughs> but it took a while. Yeah. It took yeah. a while. Yeah, he was on the run for a while. Like, he yeah. was like going to different airports yep. and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even it know was why just, or what. I was just like, wow. That was a real wake-up call. I was like, <laughs> It's like, okay. wait, that's the guy that I was talking yeah. to on the phone a couple weeks ago? Uh-huh. Yeah. It was like, um, Holy shit. these people are insane. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is like literally like a coked out, just like thug. Right. Like oh, he's criminal. a thug for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they all were at the end of the day. They all knew. They yeah. all knew what they were doing. Yeah. They all knew they were stealing people's money, mm-hmm. but doing it in a corporate way that 
you know, seemed better than going and robbing a bank. But I mean, it's all the same thing. At the end of the day, they just made money come out of nowhere. Right. That didn't exist and just put it into their own accounts. So they arrested, um, I think, four people um, and, you know, like seized their money, put them in custody. S- you know, some of the people went on trial and like were, I want to say they kind of went through the process fairly quickly and only had like minimal things happen, like two years in jail or right. five years of probation or they something. They were like lower level yeah. players, although some of them were still. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't know what happened to Scott Cavell. I feel like that went sideways and more things happened that I can't remember. Yeah. But the fact that he ran didn't help anything. No. Yeah. Yeah. But he's they probably still, maybe he's still at, at large. Who no, knows? no, no. I think he's still in jail. <laughs> maybe he escaped. Um, <laughs> yeah, who knows? But Lee Loomis, the main, you know, cheese behind this whole thing, he has been like, they, he was easy to find slow moving. You thought he was probably above the law. Yeah, um, but he was found, uh, or actually taken down significantly later. Yes. It took a while for some reason. Yeah. They did get proof that his name was on stuff or something. Right. And of course it was. And so I think they they didn't make an arrest on him until, what was it, 2012? Yeah. But they seized all his money, like, right away. Yeah. Like, in 2010, I mm-hmm. want to say. And they froze everything. Yeah. At Loomis, they, you know, shut down accounts, shut down the business office. Uh, I think they might have also seized his home. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. He was living somewhere else. (laughs) So they finally arrested him, took him into custody in 2012. And um, we continued to get updates on not only this case, because we were named in the case, mm-hmm. along with all of these other people. I think there was like 50 to 100 people that were on this list. But, um, you know, we also were just waiting, waiting, waiting. We're thinking like, oh, they're going to put him away, you know, any yeah. minute. Because obviously, he's, right. I think they said $10 million. Yeah. Oh, that was the, yeah, that was that the was amount. The amount, the total amount that was at play, in play. Yeah. You know, it had to be more than that. I'm maybe sure. it was ten million in cash or whatever, but like of people's cash. But maybe the real estate but was like different. The real estate, the yeah. houses that they foisted off on people, you know? And yeah. Like, I mean, who oh, yeah. knows? I think it was more than that. Because just our two two properties that we ended up with <laughs> were what, like six hundred thousand yeah. or something, maybe? Yeah. So Some people had like twelve or fifteen of these properties. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that was really crazy, like continuing to hear updates from yeah. people. Yeah. This poor group of people that kind of kept in touch and like this saga sort of unfolded for these people. And we would get these emails and it was like our own saga was unfolding, but for some of the victims, like it was so much worse. Yeah. It was so much more devastating. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like they were older. Now they didn't have a retirement. They couldn't, you know, like pay for medical care. Like, I mean, it just got really bad really fast. And for us, it was like, well, we didn't really have anything. Right. So it was easier sort of to lose nothing. <laughs> right. We didn't put as much into it. We yeah. Did, we, we were younger. Yeah. We weren't you know? as, you know, invested as long in the, in the thing. So like, I remember really, really feeling a lot of sympathy for them and really and then thinking about, you know, our own lives and, and knowing that there was still things to be 
grateful for in this process. Yeah. Because it really could have been worse. Oh, yeah. Um, Because, you know, if you have millions of dollars and you have millions of dollars to lose, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And we felt like we had a lot to lose and we did lose a lot, but not compared to other people. No. And uh, so anyway, you know, this, this trial went on and on and on. Uh, I don't even know how many. It, I mean, the trial didn't go on and on and on. It just kept the getting continued. The process you know, of like, the trial, yes. yeah, of trying, you know, whatever. Like so preliminary hearing, like getting these emails from like the um, what do they call that thing? Like the victim. It's like the uh, Department uh, of Justice yeah. victims. You know, something, unit. something. Yeah, like sending us these email blasts about so and so. Just these updates, like yeah. Oh, this new date for this postponed yeah. until. So the 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 thing that's crazy about it is that, um, at least based on news reports, Loomis got um, sentenced last year in 2018. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about 10 years, basically. Yeah. Of this going on for us, mm-hmm. and he just got sentenced, but I believe no. Uh, you know, payout to the victims has ever happened, and that that process is still in court mm-hmm. and is still being appealed. Yeah, today. <laughs> <laughs> so the victim victims didn't get any no recoup anything. Not as far as I know. Yeah, and that's interesting. We I could, haven't looked into that. We could only claim a small amount. Thank goodness. Yeah, but you know, you can't get damages out of somebody that doesn't have enough money to pay you damages. Yeah. <laughs> It's not very, uh, yeah. Doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't usually work out. No, there's no, there's just nothing there, uh, as far as anything you can take. So when we started this process, there was no no, <laughs> there was no like concept that could have ever entered my brain where I would have thought um, I would still be getting updates about it ten years later. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even think ten years. Like, what does that even, I mean, 10 years into the future? Like, if I think about that now, I, I kind of get a little, <laughs> get a little, a little queasy. Like, what's going to be happening in 10 years? I mean, I know it'll be great. Well, it better be better than a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Ponzi skips a generation. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Skips 10 years. <laughs> oh, my God, man. So, yeah. So, I mean the whole Scott Cavell thing, the the all the emails, the updates, Loomis getting arrested, you getting the FBI call, tons of other stuff happening at the same time. Yeah, like it's just so crazy. And so by the time uh, we finally got somebody who <laughs> wanted to buy the house, like we had a approved whatever short sale offer, yeah. right? We did eventually get one. I mean. It was funny, though, because we'd have people come into the house and, like, again, I I was beyond caring about cleaning up. Yeah. Like, I was done playing this game. This whole process really sent me back into being this really, like, hard-ass, cold-hearted, cutthroat person. Like, I just felt like I got played. Mm -hmm. And I just... That's not going to happen again. Nope. And so, I my, you know... My vulnerability and my, you know, like caring about what other people think. And that kind of all went out the window in this process. Yeah. And like that was just survival. That was just, a, for me, a way to survive the situation to cope with feeling the shame and guilt 
to cope with the stress and all the demands that were being put upon me. Yeah. And um, all the responsibilities. Yeah. It was really, it felt like it aged me. I felt like it gave me a lot of gray hair. Totally. You know? And yeah. It's like the most aging and intense, <laughs> like, process, but also like the most learned and growth, yeah. you know, coming out of it. So it's always crazy to think about, like, oh, would I repeat that? I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I learned so much. Yeah. Uh, um, from from going through it but like that was awful it was awful and, i mean worse for you it was, it was bad, really bad for us for in different ways too like yeah i think you just kind of you had your reaction to it which actually was like a good one i guess you know, it was good like because it made things happen mine was just kind of like shutting down you and i'm gonna go down. go yeah. into i'm just gonna ride more well, and then that even kind of ended at a certain point. Right. I mean, you just kind of started to shut down all these different areas of your life. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like things aren't working out at work. I'm kind of giving up on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of giving up on caring so much about that. Right. Um, I'm not really feeling like a lot of excitement about going out and writing. Mm-hmm. I'm depressed because yeah. all this stuff is happening. I don't get any enjoyment out of doing anything at home because I know I have to leave and mm-hmm. I have to give it up. Yeah. So why am I doing anything? I'm just doing it for someone else. Mm-hmm. The next person, you know, like, so this really created this like whole system of like despair for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think like I was also in despair, but I just, you know, in order to keep up with like the kids and, you know, sort of, trying to be a good example or whatever i just went in the other direction and was like all right i'm just gonna kill myself to to hustle up all this money to get this thing sold to get this done you Mm -hmm. know and i think for me what i always need out of that to end that cycle is for it to be finished right and so i was motivated to get out of that like pain cycle Mm -hmm. and and feel like i ripped the bandaid off and we're done with this situation. Right. So I, I, when we started getting people coming and looking at the house, I mean, the first 10 people just laughed like, I'm not going to buy this dump. Right. Give me a break. Because, because at the point, at that point, like they had it listed for, I don't know. You know, it's the bank who was in charge of that. 200,000 or something. Right. And, and everybody had their pick of the litter. I mean, there were mansions on sale for, you know, 300 grand. So to yeah. come and look at this, you know, very much lived in place, mm-hmm. well, nobody was really interested. And so eventually they kept lowering the price, lowering the price. And I think the last person that came and looked at it, she just loved it. She yeah. was like, oh, this is perfect. Instant. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And they got it down to like, I don't know, 175. Really? Yeah. I thought it was closer to. No. so it was like half price and um she was like that sounds good to me and uh she didn't care it was dirty and she didn't care that we had dogs and she didn't you know all that stuff right um she was like all right i'm gonna put my offer in Mm -hmm. and we were all there like while she was looking at i thought yeah whatever sure you are (laughs) everybody says that right yeah everybody's been saying that for a year Mm -hmm. and she did and then it was like okay you guys you got 30 days and you gotta be out. Yeah. We found a place. <laughs> we talked to some, you know, some people we knew, found a place out in the the far woods. 
<laughs> out on the western mountain. Shasta County or whatever, out on the mountain with uh, in an internet uh, desert. Oh, perfect for my <laughs> online business. <laughs> it was a perfect place. Oh my god! Um, Price was right. It was a beautiful place. Yeah. It was non-functional for business. It was a place you might go to retire. Right. Not a place you want to try to like you know be connected to the internet or use a cell phone. Um, but the kids uh, were super excited about it. So uh, they loved it. Yeah. yeah lots to explore. Yep. So I remember the process of moving out was hellacious. Oh. We had still had so much stuff. And it was a real struggle at the end to kind of get rid of stuff, to get it hauled off. We were trying to move by ourselves. We felt, again, I think we felt guilty. It was like, I don't want to ask my parents to help us move again. Yeah, because I don't like, help. this this was supposed to be the last time. <laughs> and that's why your dad's been over oh, there busting his ass like for years. Yeah. You know, so I think um, the the things that killed me the most about that process were like I had to give my chickens away. Mm-hmm. So when the people came to get the chickens, it was like, oh God, like this is for real. Yeah. I was like, yeah, they put all my chickens in a cage, and I'm sure they went and ate them. <laughs> but I just had to let it go. Yeah. You know? And then it was, well, now i got to get rid of the chicken coop, and, you know, now i got to roll up all the all the fencing, and we got to move our barn shed to my parents' house. Right. And, you know, like, disassemble the swing set. Like, all these things that were, like, these kind of, like, landmark sort of like this was so much fun when we got this <laughs> yeah things like i just had Remember to be what our of, life used yeah, to be like oh, oh. wasn't that fun <laughs> um yeah and i i remember like the we <laughs> underestimated the moving process so bad trying to get out of there it took us so long and like we ended up having to ask for help yeah. like we just had a wall we were just like we can't do this mm-hmm. and uh I remember we got the entire place cleared out, right? Mm -hmm. And I had to go back in there to get something, to do something, whatever. And uh, one of the kids, uh, like, stepped in this mud of some kind, like, and walked all over the white carpet with, like, the worst, like, stinkiest, like, mud on their shoes. Oh, my God, dude. And I was like, oh, like, the power is turned off, and I don't have a vacuum. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm just going to leave it. And then I thought, all right, I'm going to lock the door for the last time. We're never going to come back here. Yeah. Like, this is it. Uh Uh-huh. Okay? And then, in the process of the escrow closing or something where we still had access to the house, the bathroom flooded. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. And the and the real estate agent was there with the new owner that's trying to, like, take possession. And they're like, the bathroom's flooded. The master bedroom's flooded. Like, well, can you fix this? Can you do something? And we were like, I think we were out on a date, like, maybe celebrating the fact that we were, like, done with that. <laughs> <laughs> place or whatever. That we never had to go back. Yeah, and then ne- we had to go back. We had to go back in the middle of the night and like turn the water oh, off and all this shit. Oh my God. That's right. Yeah. Wow. I felt like it that was never like bad times. It was I felt like it was never gonna end. Mm. You know? And then <laughs> and then on just the cherry on top was like, 
we didn't pay for our propane because it kept filling up our propane tank. And we kept saying, we're moving, don't fill up the propane tank. And every time they filled it up, it was like $1,000 or some crazy ass (laughs) thing. And so I was like, I'm just not going to pay for it. Uh huh. And they're like, well, we're going to put it in collections. I was like, okay. Yeah. So then collections called me for like eight months. I was like, I'm not paying it. Yeah. I'm not paying it. They're like, we're going to report it to your credit agency. I was like, you you, you go right ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. That one you don't feel bad about either because it's like, we told you guys not to do it and you did it anyway and then sent us the bill. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this, I told you to go pump it out of there. I was like, you want it? You want this money? Go pump it out of the tank. Yeah. They're like, oh, we can't do that. Oh. Like, well, I can't pay my bill, so I'll yeah. see you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I wow. mean. So, it was really just a joyous, uh, it was a joyous time all around. Like, it was really crazy. It was a really, like, um, <clears throat> slap in the face. Yeah, repeated. It, over and that's over like, that's and over. That's mildly. Oh, over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, <laughs> moving on from there, like, things just started to look up so quickly. <laughs> well the the I aftermath like you know ju- are we just now getting yeah i don't even want to say it are we getting out of that i mean i think we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel now yeah. and it's been 10 years well yeah probably more like oh know, maybe less eight. than that eight nine yeah um yeah i mean we we definitely like <laughs> The aftermath of all of this is it's like you you then have to sort of like pick up the pieces from this devastation. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we necessarily knew how to do that at the time. I don't think we had any plan. I mean, I think I think it kind of took us back to sort of our punk rock sensibilities where it was just kind of like, all right, fuck it. Yeah. I don't give a shit about anything. Well, you know, like that is one thing going through all that, like it did uh, a good job of thickening my skin against like problems going on because it's like, well, I've already been through. Oh, yeah. I've been like, through this it. heinous thing or whatever. So it's like, well, how, right. how much worse could this be? Like, <laughs> like, do your worst, man. Oh. You know, but that's yeah. not necessarily healthy either. But, no. Uh, no, and again, it was like I think we, um, I think we just didn't anticipate what would happen later, as far as like again the kind of like bottom of the basement, sort of like we're gonna humble you even more. Like you think paying your bills is bad, you know, not paying your bills is bad. Like they can get worse than that. <laughs> like, and it's going to because you don't have a plan, right? Like, you don't have anything in place to make this better. You know, again, it's just like surviving each day. Just, I got through today. Right. Maybe I'll get through tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. So. um, Well, I I feel like we're still getting through tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're in the land of tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow land. At but, least um, I have a little more of a plan, though, you know? Oh, yeah, far more. Way more. Lots oh, more planning is going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. More communication. Well, I mean, I think these are all things that, like I was saying, that we've learned through going through that process. So, I mean, like like I said, like, I don't know 
you know, if I could change certain things and know that they wouldn't affect what eventually happened, the outcome, then I would do it. But it's like, you can't know that. So it's really hard to say besides the fact that if you went back, you'd be the same person. Right. So you would do the same thing over and over and over again anyway. Totally. On and on with the infinite universes or whatever. I think the thing I like best about like telling this particular story is that I feel like because now we're finally getting rid of this like secret of Mm. shame Mm -hmm. that surrounds, you know, why we became poor people, why we lost our house, uh, you know, why we kind of had to take this major step down. Um, I mean, to me, that's the freedom that comes with letting go of this shame because I don't care about it anymore. Right. And I mean, if it, I just hope that in telling this, if it just helps somebody not do something like this. Yeah. Just like if you recognize anything (laughs) that, that sounds familiar from this show, just, yeah, just act on that recognition. Take that gut. You know, like, instinct to do heart. Do something. <laughs> just do something different. Don't just go with the flow. <laughs> because we've been majorly not going with the flow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a way we have been, but in other ways we haven't yeah. been. So anyway, I am grateful to have gone through that uh, that thing with you because I, I think it ended up, you know, strengthening our relationship. Yeah. And, making us even better together somehow, which is crazy because it very easily could have gone a different way. Yeah. And that's just luck. And I think it's also that we stopped, you know, feeling like we needed all these things. Yeah. In order to be happy or feel like we're okay. Totally. Just and a few. I think we're okay just together. Yeah. You know, so. That's right. Yes. Um, so anyway, um, thanks for going through a Ponzi scheme with me. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. I won't be doing it again. (laughs) All right. Noted. (laughs) Anyway, love you, babe. Love you too, babe.